It's the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Monday, July 10th. Your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that never knows what you're going to get with Russian goaltenders. It's always a mixed bag. We're going to get into that, the Tony D'Angelo trade, and how we would rate Danny Breer's offseason so far, plus our nemesis of the week, all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who's on all of your favorite social media apps at Sportsology. With all the changes going on in that world, uh, you can find this show on both Instagram and threads at Locked On Flyers as well. You can subscribe or follow us for free over on YouTube or on the SiriusXM app. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ, uh, because of our recording schedule, we don't know 100% for sure, but it is expected that Sunday the Tony D'Angelo trade will go through uh, with the 50% salary retention. And the return is slated to be a prospect, Massimo Rizzo, who is a seventh round draft pick for the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, I think the upside of this is we get rid of 50% of that cap hit for this season. And it opens up a spot for developing defensemen. Yeah, honestly, those are the two biggest upsides. I mean, you know, as far as Massimo is a player, he really has to fix his skating. He's another guy that just the skating's not right. I mean, there's passing ability. There's some offensive ability there. But the skating's not there. His puck battle have gone down. And his physicality has gone down. Like, he's behind the play a lot. If, he's, if they're in a losing game situation, it's not great. So those are things he has to work on, and so that's the debate whether the Flyers will even sign him. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not against it for like an AHL kind of career. That's fine. If, right. that's, if you think he could be a leader in the AHL, then do it. Um, but beyond that, I'm not looking for anything else. This is just something that had to be done. Uh, there was no way D'Angelo was coming back. There's no way Torts was right. going to be nice about it anymore. So you, you just it was just smart to, to do all this. Of note, he did play at Denver with Bobby Brink, yes. so is there that familiarity factor. But I think you're right. If he winds up in the AHL and is part of the Phantoms, you know, more power to him. Yeah. Um, I, I think this was just, you know, a favor to take somebody off the prospect list for mm-hmm. Carolina and happy to do it for the benefit of that 50% salary cap reduction and um, allowing one of our uh, prospects a a spot on the main roster, which I think is the most important part. Yeah. If it works out that way, that's the most important part. Victor Mete is still lurking. So I, until it happens, (laughs) I, I, I have to just say that. Sure. Sure. Now the other turmoil that has been going on is the Flyers Russian goalie situation. Of course I know uh always drama in that part of the world but um we got sort of final word or as close to final as you're ever going to get um the khl is taking ivan fedotov and whatever is going on behind the scenes with the nhl and the khl and their gentleman's agreement doesn't matter um he's gonna be playing for siska next season the the khl has announced it and 
that is what is happening. I think that, you know, the KHL is being very smart in saying this is all on the NHL because when right. the, when the political thing happened, I'm air quoting this for those yes. of you listening in your ears only, I think they're just saying, oh, well, the NHL said we don't deal with Russia anymore. So now we're just going to do what we want. And that's all on the NHL. We'll be happy to, you know, play ball when they're off their high horse. That's essentially what the KHL is doing right now. Yeah, the way I've looked at it is this is a top goalie in your league, a goalie who's won a cup. Uh, they wanted to bring him back. They overlooked that little technicality of an NHL contract. They're like, eh, it's not really an NHL contract because we don't say it is. So then they sign him for two years, right. and that's it. He signed for two years. Like that's Who knows if they'll overlook the next contract because of what he did in that country. Like They could do whatever they want. Then, of course, it's funny that after that deal, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to look at every other deal and, and respect them. And it's like, so we just didn't want to do this one because we didn't want to lose this player because this is how important he is to the league. So it's just like, again, there is no certainty when it comes to dealing with the KHL and Russia. And even when you write about it and I've written about it, you could be wrong in a half hour because then some something else comes out that's contrary to what you said or what your source said. So. This is the way it is. Until you actually see players here on American soil, you you don't think about it. Otherwise, you just drive yourself crazy. Yeah, and that little technicality is that, you know, according to NHL rules, the contract would slide to the following year, but the right. KHL is saying, no, now it's expired, so we can right. sign him now, and that's fine. And, you know, that that is what it is. And I think, you know, when the NHL changed its policy about Russian and Belarusian goaltenders, which is, or players, yes. which is what we're, we're going to get that. to next, um, you know, I don't think the NHL anticipated the political situation going on this long, and now it's having these consequences, which, you know, I, I don't disagree with what the NHL did personally, but I think that now the the KHL is sort of fighting back and, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. I mean, the but NHL could tighten it up and it still may not matter. I know. That's the thing. That's really the thing. And, and that leads us to Alexei Kolosov, who we've talked a little bit about recently, mm -hmm. you know, with the, the Flyers drafting another Russian goaltender this past year. Um, and, you know, what that meant for the mix of the Flyers goaltending prospect depth. So on to the next one with Kolosov. Uh, so he's Belarusian, which, you know, the, the same situation holds because the political situation is the same and the KHL situation is the same. He's been with Dynamo Minsk. He's going to play with Dynamo Minsk next season, but he did sign an ELC with the Flyers and the Flyers are saying, yeah, we're just going to burn this first year of the ELC and see what happens next summer and kind of take that risk that, you know, the KHL will honor that and at least right. have the option for him to come over next summer. Right. And and they do get to contact him during the year, Bill Meltzer pointed out. So that's fine. You know, those things are fine. Again, uh, yeah. I work with EP Ringside, so I've seen his reports. I've not seen him personally, so I can't give you these glowing reports that other people have given. Uh, a lot of it, you know, they hear from scouts and whatever, and that's great. Uh, again, I always say, especially with a Russian goalie, until they're over here playing in North America and I could actually see that, no, th there was two exceptions to that. Sorokin and Shesterkin, they were obvious, but they right. were obvious because they, it was still a time where we got to see a fair amount of international play from them. You don't even get to see that now because Russia is no longer a part of international play. So it's really 
you know, as far as like fans and, and, and most people who do what I do, you're, you're mostly in the dark about it. So I can't give this glowing thing and say he's going to be a future number one. I can't tell you any of that. Maybe he will be. I don't know. Yeah, I do think the ability to communicate is important. That's um, important. And, yes. And, and yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes to Bill Meltzer's summary of the situation. Yeah, he did is, a really good job. He did. So um, if, in case you haven't read it, um, we'll do that for you. And I, I think the, the question then for a lot of Flyers fans is how does this affect the Mitch Koff situation, right? It doesn't. It doesn't affect it at all because they're all case by case basis. It depends on the league, how they value that player. It depends on the team, how they value that player. And simple ELC is not going to get Mitch Kopp over here. You're going to have to give them a bunch of money. You're going to have to pay them out of what would be like three more years of two more years of a contract and then sign them to an ELC. And that money, you know, just gets sent to them in a, in a paper bag. Who knows? But that's what it would take. And that's even if they're willing to do it. Yeah, I think there's a difference between one to get him over here before his KHL contract is up versus after. I think after right, that is a we're, difference. We're in a better position, right? Because yes. then it, it kind of yes. is what it is. Um, yeah, because then he served his time, and you think mm-hmm. that most likely things will be okay, and they'll let him go. And I, I tend to go along with that and say that's probably the way. I think expecting him sooner, based on anything that you've seen go on here, I think is yeah. just a hope. Yeah, that's where the bucket of money and the compensation and, you know, depending on how he's playing and how valuable he is. Right, he's the best player in the league. That's a whole different thing, too. It remains to be seen, and I don't think anybody can make any predictions on that now. No. No, I mean, again, I get it. Flyers fans are hoping for this, and I would, too, if I were, you know, in your boat. Hard same. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, but I wouldn't think about it every day, and I wouldn't look for these other contracts and try and say, this is going to help this because it's Russia, man, nothing. It's all on a case by case basis. It's whatever (laughs) they feel like doing. Yeah. I think uh, trying to play a prediction game in this (laughs) scenario is uh, I think not in anybody's best interest, let's say. No, no, but we'll continue to hope and dream and that's okay too. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to squash anybody's hopes and dreams. Go for it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll continue to keep an eye on all of that. In the meantime, uh, we've had like a good look at what Danny Breer's era with the Flyers is getting off to in terms of a start. And we're going to just take stock on all of that coming up next. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you could spend betting everything from the money line to over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. 
On tomorrow's show, we're going to take a look at the Lehigh Valley Phantoms look like so far for next year, what we expect for them moving forward, kind of like a mini Phantoms Tuesday, like we do during the regular season. Later in the week, we're going to do a then versus now comparison on where the Flyers were last summer at this time versus this summer and see how we're feeling about the organization. So a lot of good stuff coming up on the show this week. In the meantime, uh, looking at Danny Briere's era so far, it's it's impossible to grade him, right? I wouldn't give him a grade, but you can get a feeling for uh-huh. what what this you know part of Flyers history is going to look like in how he built a staff, how he drafted, looking at free agency, and then how Dev Camp was run and seeing if there was anything different or anything that stood out in terms of you know, how they're going to be developing their prospects. And, you know, as, as far as building the staff goes, I think, you know, we've all, we've been through this in terms of the oh, yeah. ex- player factor and stuff, but I think, you know, kind of combining it with the dev camp conversation, it seems like a lot of the prospects had really good things to say about being able to work with and talk to John McClare and Patrick Sharp. And that stood out to me a lot. Yeah. I mean, there is a a usefulness in having former players do that stuff because there's a relatability. But the other flip side is, are those guys as good as other guys in the league that weren't former players or not recognizable? And that's really what the battle is. And we don't know the answer yet. But as far as, you know, what the players were saying, yes, that part was positive. And, you know, in that regard, hey, that worked out as far as on the surface. It is a risk not having sort of off ice experts that weren't former players. But again, it's to be determined. But I do think as far as, you know, initial impressions, it seems like a good group in the player development side of things. Yeah, they're all on the same page. They're definitely all working together. I'm actually going to be writing about this Flyers camp on uh, EP Ringside soon. And and so I think there was uh, more continuity. There was definitely more... Um, visibility but as far as on the ice i would say i saw a little bit different but not a lot different and then off ice we have no idea they really nobody talked about it we don't know what they did on that whole day for for off ice so no clue as far as overall building a staff i think you know we have alan mccauley in place now as gm of the phantoms which just having that position is really good we don't really know much about what alan has done so far but we'll talk a little bit about it tomorrow in terms of what we know now but i think there's a lot more work to be done there so i'm gonna like put a pin on that conversation but um i i do think there are maybe some blind spots here that that do need to be filled right yeah there's no question i mean they still from what i can't concede don't have a full-time skating coach and i think that's very necessary in this day and age uh they don't have themselves aligned with a, a shooting coach either, from what I can see. And and again, I think that's very necessary. You could look at players from like Owen Tippett to some other players. Like everybody can improve to some degree, especially the young players. Right. And and some of the veterans that or younger veterans that we're talking about, I feel like it's necessary. So I feel like that part has still not been uh, checked off. Yeah, I'm wondering if some of that will happen during the regular season in terms of having somebody around the phantoms for those things Mm -hmm. for those guys um you know the flyers could use it too don't get me wrong but 
But in terms of, you know, having someone around here, as opposed to over the summer when people are at home and they're working with their private coaches in the right. interim, I think that's possible. But um, we'll, we'll see if anybody else gets added to the group over the summer or in the fall when um, the, the Phantoms training camp gets started. As far as the draft goes, like, how are you feeling overall? We've talked about it, you know, from an individual player pick perspective more so, but in terms of this overall strategy and the overall kind of uh, player in terms of projects um, that this group has started with. Yeah. So I was really happy with the mix. I felt like the mix was a more representative mix that I like to see uh, in a draft. I felt like they, um, they did get a little bit more European talent than I think they usually do. And I'm, I'm good with that. I, I felt like they really did flex on a lot of different leagues here, flex their muscles. And I think that's good too. They weren't relying on just the U S system as an example. So I think those things are, were noticeable. And even though Brent's there, I still feel like now um, we're starting to see a little bit of a change there. You know, I did write an article for full press hockey on, some of the best values in the draft. And I didn't put Matt Mitchcock for a very big reason. He was going to go in the top 10, no matter what. I wrote about some guys that, you know, went 30, 40, 60 picks after what you thought they might go and could be a factor in the draft. So he was never going to be in that pool. He was always going to be in the top 10 pool, no matter what. There was never a risk of him falling out of the top 10. So I just feel like, and especially now what we know now, um, he didn't even want to go to Washington. Like we all thought, right. hey, he wants to be in Washington. He didn't even want to go. No, that and that makes perfect sense to me, to be honest, because that's Ovi's team. Like, why would he want to go somewhere where he couldn't have it be his None of us team. really thought about that, though. You know, like yeah. we didn't really take that into consideration. Now, after the fact, I think it's easier to to see that. But again, that's that's why I didn't do it. Do I think it was a great pick? Yes. I mean, that doesn't take away from that, but th there was a difference, a nuance there that I think um, that I just wanted to point out. But I, I, you know, look, there were some players I really like. I do want to point out that with Denver Barkey, Jaden Perron went to pick before, and I think he went to Carolina. Mm -hmm. And Jaden Perron was interviewed by the Flyers. We did talk about him. And I feel like the Flyers would have taken Jaden Perron had he been there. Interesting. But he wasn't. So yeah. they took Denver Barkey, and, and that's fine. We'll see how he turns out. Um, and then in the third round, we did talk about, and this this one, this one player, this is not a Flyers player, but he could have been. Um, well, I don't know, actually. No, he, he well, he could have been if they didn't take, um, no, actually he couldn't have been because he got taken 81. Yeah. Uh, and that's Tanner Lutke. But I did talk about him as a third round option, and he got taken at 81. So they would have had to have moved up to get him. And so that was something that was interesting too, but those are a couple of the things that I looked at and, but overall on the surface, yeah, fine. I, I like the mix. Now we just have to see how everything sort of turns out, but they drafted goalies, which was smart. And so I give them points for that too. Yeah. I think it's really interesting um, that the flyers took nobody from the U S development program in this draft. Yeah. I think, I think that's something that they would have depended on in the past, taking at least one of them, yes. right. Whether oh, yeah. it was in the first or, or third round, I think that there's just been this thing where it's like, Oh, you look at hockey Canada, you know, and there, and we got Carson Bjarnason. So that's your hockey Canada pick right there. 
but right. I but I think that um, this lack of dependence on the U.S. national team development program is very telling to me. And to your point about looking at a bunch of the different leagues, drafting more Europeans, um, you know, I think that got, you know, a couple of WHL guys in that overlap, um, you know, Cole Knubel's the USHL. That's the difference of not having Chuck there, who's clearly focused on a lot, you know, one part of the country, a lot of the U.S. players. You go back to the Minnesota draft, same thing. Uh, you know, Brent is there uh, essentially making the picks, but the GM can turn it his way if he wants to. And so I do feel like that was the difference between Danny Briere and Chuck Fletcher. Yeah, I think so as well. But yeah, I'm very pleased with the overall tone and breadth of, of the draft class. And um, we were concerned about it ahead of time with Brent Flair still being there. And was he going to be the yeah. one leading this? And I think that they really kind of looked at what their strategy has been and made some adjustments. And I love to see that. Yeah, no question. I mean, you did want to see some change and we saw some change. Yeah. So as far as free agency goes, I think Victor Matei is really the only one that we have a question mark in terms of, is that going to stand in the way of a prospect getting ice time? But I think Garnet Hathaway right. is a lovely addition to the group other than, like I said, you have Nick Deloria there. So is there some redundancy? Sure. But I, I like Garnet Hathaway. I've never expected him to put on a Flyers jersey. That's for sure. And, and Ryan Paling is, is a good risk to take, like we've talked about. So in terms of the mm -hmm. kinds of players that, that they went after or that they sought out, um, you know, Mark Stahl as well, um, I think they all make sense in terms of where the Flyers are in this rebuild. So I'm not like surprised or questioning, you know, why they signed who they did to a large degree. No, because I also feel like the coach did give a stamp of approval on, on these guys. I feel like that's a big part of it. I don't think they took somebody that was sort of outside of what you think um, the coach would want. So I think that's that's a part of it. Certainly, he knows Mark Stahl, you know, uh, you know, with Hathaway. Yeah, maybe he's even going to switch to the left side. Um, you know, we'll talk about the poll because then we'll talk a little bit more about Hathaway, because I think that's interesting. And, and I really like Paling. The only risk is, yes, his injury. So on a one-year deal, sure. You see what he's got. If he, again, can't get over the 40-50 game mark, then, you know, you might not renew him because you just say, all right, this is something that, that's going to possibly plague him now for a while. So you hope that he's over that. That's that's where you're at. And then Mete, yeah, we I don't know about that one yet. Yeah. But uh, you mentioned the Hathaway poll. That's a great segue into our next segment where we're going to announce our final giveaway in our YouTube subscription effort that we've had. Plus, we will name our nemesis of the week. All right, Russ. So uh, we've been doing these giveaways as we've reached different milestones on our YouTube subscriptions. Again, thank everybody so much for subscribing. We're yes. well over a thousand subs now and um, just could not be more appreciative or grateful for all of you out there. And so really happy. Um, yeah. And uh, stick with us for the summer into next season. We're on this rebuild ride together and uh, <laughs> we'll have yep. all 
all the best analysis on the flyers for you. And so for that final giveaway, which is for a Claude Giroux framed autograph picture and a Travis Konechny rookie card uh, for the thousand subs, the winner is Troy Johnson 57 over on YouTube. We'll uh, comment over on your post, Troy, and just uh, send us a, a screen cap via our email, lockdownflyers at gmail, and we will get that taken care of for you. Um, we did ask a Garnet Hathaway poll for that giveaway to see whether people thought he would end up on the third or fourth line. There was a lot of interesting discussion about it, like if this, then that. And so I think people are really digging into the weeds on it, which is really fun. Um, very close, I would say. So like about 56% said fourth line and 44% said third line. Yeah, I was pleased with the results because I, I agree with, with the fourth line part. Uh, the only thing is, is that now that would force Wade Allison to be in a third line role. And we saw that last year and it's sort of like mixed results. So that's the only thing you wonder what's going to happen with that. But again, you know, that's up to Wade Allison at this point. He's been around a long time. So, but yeah, I, I think I think the fans got it right. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, you know, there's gonna there was a lot of nuance in terms of, well, he'll start out fourth line, but if something happens and they have to move him up to the third line, they'll do it. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense as well. So sure. a lot of smart people in our comments, I would say, on this one. Um, you know, moving to our nemesis of the week last week, I think this is funny. For me, it was waiting on that Tony D'Angelo trade. And technically, right. we're still waiting on it as of recording. But right. hopefully, fingers crossed uh, that it has gone through by the time you are listening to that. So if we have to have this again next week for our nemesis, I don't I don't know, man. But um, obviously, <laughs> I think for me, the nemesis this week is the whole Russian thing that we talked about in the first segment and dealing with these KHL contracts and not really knowing what's going to happen. I think it's the uncertainty of it all uh, between the Fedotov situation, which technically he should be ha on that NHL contract, but he isn't. And that's just the way it is. So we shall see moving forward. But yeah, it, it always makes me a little nervous when there's no like certainty about you know whether or not the Flyers can maintain rights to a player. Yeah. So my nemesis is the airlines. And Again, trying to actually you, you plan travel. Your airlines was it doesn't last matter. week, sir. It's, it's coming up again because I feel bad. I'm watching so many friends in the business get stranded in places or actually missing work. And now, like, you know, there's so many bad business practices that are going on. And even if you get a voucher, you might be getting one with an expiration date. And who knows if you're going to fly that, that airline before that expiration date. I mean, always try and get the refund first. Uh, or at least get to send in, you know, the receipts. But it's summer travel, Rachel. And I can't tell you, like, even now when I am going to go see a couple of baseball games, I'm driving. Like, I just, I can't do it. I can't do it with the airlines. And I just see people going through this and I feel bad. And the airlines really need to do better. Well, I said it before. I'll say it again. Stick to trains, man. <laughs> trains are your friends most of the time, I would say. Most of the time, yeah. All right. Uh, that will do it for today's show. Thanks so much for making us your first listen today. Everyday listeners tomorrow on the show, like I said, we're going to do a little mini Phantoms Tuesday, look at the signings so far and set some expectations for what the Phantoms are going to look like next year. 
As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send in your mailbag questions. You can tweet us at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail, or you can comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great Monday, everyone.